We're going to start in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. The life, the kingdom life, the life that God's called you and I to live is an ever-increasing life. The life that God's called you and I to live is an ever, say that with me, ever-increasing. God wants your life to ever be expanding in Him. It's not stagnant. Our life with Christ is not stagnant, but it is constantly, should be, constantly ever-growing. We know that God in God, he wants to give us new vision. He's always showing, always revealing, always taking us deeper into his word, into his truth. His word is alive. He's always revealing his, himself to us in his word. There's new encounters every day. You don't have to just wait to Sundays to encounter God, to experience his presence. So you can be driving down the road and Jesus is sitting right beside you in your passenger seat. Have a, conver- have a conversation with him. Pray in the spirit while you're driving. And, and, you know, new encounters every day. It's ever increasing, ever expanding life with God. In Ephesians, Paul tells us in Ephesians 3.18 that he wants us to know the the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of God's love. His love is an ever-ending ocean of love. He wants you to know it. So just because you've tasted his love at redemption doesn't mean that you've checked the box and that's all there is to the love of God. There's more for you. There's more of his love, more of his joy, you know. I thank God for his joy, you know. I, I, his joy is my strength. I can drink from the wells of salvation with joy. He fills my mouth with laughter. Thank God, you know, just because I experienced his joy, uh, you know, uh, at one point in my life doesn't mean that that's all there is. There's deeper, deeper depths of his love and his joy. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 54 to stretch out our tent pegs. You know, that's a good word for some of you this year. God's calling you to stretch out your tent pegs, to lengthen, lengthen the curtains, lengthen the cords, stretch out your curtains. And and I love it. It says, do not spare, Isaiah 54 too. Do not, say that, do not spare. You know, sometimes when, when you're building a house or you're doing renovations in your house, you know what your budget is, right? You know, you know how much money you have to spend on a project. You know how much money you have to pay for, pay for your house. And so you, you make sure that you stay within, well, you should, right? You make sure you stay within that budget, right? You make sure you stay within the confines of what's up. But, but God's saying to you and I, I, you don't have a budget in me. There isn't a constraint in me. You can have of abundance. You can drink of abundance. You can experience God of an abundance. There's, there's never a point where you can say, I've, I've reached the end. I've had enough. God says, don't spare. Don't spare. You can keep stretching out in God and see what he has for your life. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, after John was put in prison. So we're talking about John the Baptist. After John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching or proclaiming the gospel message, the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, we're talking about kingdom living, so Christ came preaching the message of the kingdom, God's way of doing things. This is what Jesus had to say about the kingdom of heaven, God's way, God's decree, how to do it. And what did he say? Repent and believe the gospel. 
Turn from how you were doing. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from how you want to do it. Turn to God and believe. Now, that, we know that that is significant for salvation, but that is every step of the life of the believer. Everything that we do is turning from our own strength and our own way of doing things and turning to the Lord and entrusting. We said last week that word belief, it's, it's the worldview, it's the perspective of faith. To, to have faith, spiritual perceptivity, the, the, our five senses, if you will, how we perceive spiritual realities and placing, now that we see what God is doing, we release those things into his care. We, we read it a moment ago from 2 Timothy. Paul wrote, I know whom I have believed. I have a confident hope and expectation in God. It, the, the term there is like you could drive a nail through a board, grip it on the other side, and know it's not coming out. You somehow, you know, you bend the nail so it's not coming out of the wood. That's what Paul's talking about. I have a firm, settled belief in God. That's the message that Jesus was preaching. Repent and believe in the gospel. Verse 16, and he says, As you walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. If, if you're taking notes or underlining in your Bible, you're, you know, like me, I have notes throughout my Bible. You need to underline that. That's worth underlining. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. I want to go back to verse 17. Well, let me keep reading. Verse 19. When he had gone a little further out from there... He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired servants, and he went after him. I want to go back uh, to verse 17. It says, And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You know, I don't imagine that the, the disciples, these fishermen whom Jesus were calling, they spent much of their life around the sea. I don't imagine that, that they had been out exploring very much. They were very familiar with the sea. They were very familiar with fishing. This had been their life. This was their livelihood. This is how they made money. This is how they supported their families. And Jesus comes along and says to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately in that moment, their life begins to increase. What they had known, what they had seen, what they had experienced, they were leaving it behind, and now the Bible says they immediately followed after him. I want you to think about what was happening in the disciples' life in that moment. They were, they were just average fishermen, and now Jesus was calling them to follow after him. What they were going to experience. We, we know the story in reverse. We know the history. But I want you to think about what that moment would have been like if some stranger had walked up to you and said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come follow me. I'm ringing just a little bit, Joe. In that moment, their life increased. Their life, everything that they had known began to expand and to increase. Oftentimes, God has to increase us to get a new revelation of who he is. God has to increase our lives in order to have a new revelation of himself. 
To them, Jesus was just the son of Joseph of Nazareth, but he hadn't yet become Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah. There was something that had to change in them. They had to have a revelation of who he was. You and I, Jesus is calling to you. Jesus is speaking to you. Are you out there this morning? Jesus, do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus is calling out to you, still calling out to you, saying, will you come follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. He wanted to show them something. He, had a, he wanted to reveal himself to them in a new way. He had to go from just being Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth, to Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah. What's your revelation of Christ today? Have you, have you left the nets? The Bible says that they immediately left their nets to follow him. Write this down. An ever-increasing life gives you a firsthand view of God. An ever-increasing life, when you step out, leaving your nets behind, leaving what you're familiar with and saying, God, I'm going to pursue you in this year. I'm going I'm to follow after you and your call. You get a firsthand view front row seat of who God is. Here the disciples are. They're pursuing God. They're running after him, leaving their nets behind. And they're now seeing the miracles, the ministry of Jesus. Think about the experiences that they had, the teaching of Jesus, the miracles that they were seeing. They were watching the demon-possessed get set free. They were watching Jesus walk on the water. This was unlike anything they had ever experienced. When you and I get born again, it's unlike anything we've ever experienced. It's a, it's a new life. It's a new day. It's ever-increasing, always changing, always deepening. They had never experienced this. They were, they were fishermen. They were fishermen on a boat, catching fish, hanging out with the guys. Can you imagine going from a fisherman on a boat, just being you know, four or five guys out on a boat, casting out nets, to now they're following Jesus, and the crowds are thronging in upon them. The sick and the ill are pressing in on them. The people that society had labeled as unclean, untouchable, don't, don't hang out with them. These are the people that Jesus is spending time with. These are now their friends and the people they're spending time with. Things looked different, ever-increasing life. God's calling you to live an ever-increasing life. I think about how Jesus has revealed himself to me. When I got born again, he was my savior. When, he, when I was sick and I needed healing, he was my healer. He's revealed himself as the sovereign God, my, the lover of my soul, the, the one who's ruling and reigning over all things. He's the everlasting father, the counselor, the one who gives me wisdom. and Has he revealed himself to you? How does that happen? How does that process happen? You begin to step out and you walk. It's baby steps. You just begin to walk with Christ, and as he increases your, your walk with him, you begin to see him in new ways. You begin to experience him in new ways. An ever-increasing life is a supernatural life. It's a God kind of life. The Bible tells us in Mark 9, 23, that all things are possible to them that believe. It's a super, God's called you to live a supernatural life. Not stagnant. But supernatural. Jesus told his disciples to go 
and to make disciples. When he left, go and make disciples, teaching them all things that I've commanded you. And these signs will follow. There's a demand placed on the anointing. I said there's a demand placed on the anointing. These fishermen, these unschooled, unlearned men, there was a demand placed on the power of God, the anointing of God, for them to do what God had called them to do. You and I, to live an ever-increasing life, must place a demand on the anointing. We're incapable. We don't have in ourselves the strength, the talents, the abilities to accomplish what God's called us to do. If you're not living a supernatural life, you're not living a God kind of life. The life you're called to is a supernatural life. When's the last time that you trusted for God, trusted God with something supernatural? When, when, it, when have you trusted him for that next big step, gone beyond? You know, this morning, it, it's, not, you know, it's not easy to stand up here and say, somebody's going to write a $14,000 check. It's a lot harder even to probably write the $14,000 check. But when God speaks to you and stirs in your heart, this is what I've said. Take the step of faith. Watch what God will do. You know, Pastor Grace was sharing Wednesday night, which, by the way, if you didn't uh, watch Wednesday night's midweek refresh, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. We had a time. It was a great teaching, and it really will help you, I promise. Go back and watch it. But Pastor Grace was sharing uh, just a story in our personal life how God had uh, challenged her to give a certain amount of money. And when she gave that money, when she released her seed, when she gave something that she was trying to sell online that hadn't sold for a long time, all of a sudden sold. And the price of that sale was exactly what she had given. So she decided to tithe off of what she'd made on the sale. And then lo and behold, she gets a check for the exact amount of money that she had tithed. When she, you can't outgive God. You can't outstep God. He's... He wants to work miracles in your life. He wants to work supernaturally through your life if you'll trust him. He was just looking for somebody who would be willing to leave what they knew and the comforts of their nets to follow him. He was looking for somebody who would come after him. You know, when, when you begin to follow after God, your sense of values change. When you got born again, what's important to you changes. You don't want the drugs. You don't want that reckless lifestyle. You're not looking for success in this life. You begin, the house of God has importance, has value to you. Prayer has value to you. Fellowship with other believers has value to you. Things change. Your values change as you press into God. This ever-increasing life in God, what's important to you changes. And it keeps changing. It doesn't ever stop. It, did you hear me? It doesn't ever stop. If you've reached a point where you say, well, the house of God's important to me, but you're probably stagnating somewhere. Right. And so you can say, God, I, I want to keep pressing in. I want to keep growing. I, I, want the, I, I want to be generous in the house of the Lord and my giving and my resources of my time. And I want to be present in the house of the Lord. I want to be uh, wor a, a worshiper. I don't want to just check the box. I want to be a worshiper. My values change. What was important to the disciples, this making money, they're doing their job. Fishing was not only their income, but it affected the economics of the area. They were fishermen in the area. They were selling their fish. So what Jesus was doing was affecting the region. Come follow me. 
Their jobs had changed. Their business had changed. Their families had changed. What was important to them changed. And they began to follow after Christ. An ever-increasing life in God brings about opportunities, not rights. These disciples, if you would look by the, the natural circumstance, these disciples had rights. They had a right to know where they were going. Come follow me. Well, what do you mean? Come follow you. Where, you know, just put this into modern context, if you will. Well, where am I going? Who am I following? What journey are we taking? What road are we going on? How is this going to work? How am I going to make money? How do I take care of my family? How do I make a living? They had rights. That's the natural mindset. Society tells us today that we have rights. We have a right to be heard. We have right to have an opinion. We have a right to be safe. All of these things. Take a look at Jesus' ministry with me for a moment. He put them out in the middle of a storm on a sinking boat. You have a right to be safe. Every single one of them was murdered for the gospel. Life looks different in the kingdom. Newsflash. Life looks different in the kingdom. But he gives us supernatural opportunities. It was out on the middle of the Sea of Galilee in a sinking ship that the, the disciples were able to experience God in a whole new way. It was out in that boat that they had a revelation of the sovereignty of God and the control of God over the winds and the waves. So yeah, things look different in the kingdom, but it's out in the middle of the sea that God reveals himself to you as the peacemaker in the middle of the storm, the one who can speak peace. In the middle of your storm. It was facing the, the, the demoniac. I mean, can you imagine fishermen minding their own business, going about normal life. Now we're facing people like the demoniac of the Gadarenes. What do you do with that? Ever increasing life. I mean, I, I still have church people who get freaked I've seen pastors and ministers get freaked out when demons show up. Can you imagine what happens to, to the fishermen who have no clue? But it's staring that demon face to face where you say, greater is he who's on the inside of me than you stinking devil. You've, you've already been defeated. I have victory over you. And so does this person right now. <laughs> Ever increasing opportunities. Giving is an opportunity. You know, I, I say it frequently. And I've made it, a, I've made it a point to say it more frequently lately. But you have a job not to just make a living, but to be a blessing. You have a job to be a blessing. You have, God has anointed you with the power to create wealth, not for the sake of padding your pockets in your bank account. God has anointed, amen, good preaching, pastor. God has anointed you to create wealth, to be a blessing, to be generous. Your resources are an opportunity. You're calling to leave your nets and to follow after Christ in every area of your life is an opportunity to be a blessing. To see the supernatural work of God in your life. When you give in your tithes, it's a supernatural opportunity. When you raise your hands and worship. Man, I, I come in 
and in service, I come expecting, anticipating God to show up. I come expecting, ready to worship, ready to magnify the King of Kings. Why? Because I am living an ever-increasing life in Him. I know how I encounter God today and what He does in my life today. How I see Him today is different than how I experienced Him last Sunday. And how I experienced Him on Monday is different than how I experienced Him today. There's something new, something fresh. And it's going to go on for all eternity. All eternity we'll see facets of the goodness of the Lord that we've never seen before. Number two, an ever-increasing life. God is made by the Spirit. In verse 17, it's God, Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you. I will make you fishers of men. That word make in the Greek is to produce, construct, form, fashion, make ready, to prepare, to bring forth, to make a thing out of something. So Jesus is telling them, I'm I'm not just going to equip you. I'm not just going to give you a self-help message. I'm not going to just tell you how to be a better you. I'm not just going to give you three points in a poem and make you feel good about yourself. No, he says, I am going to make you. I am going to do a work in your life that is so remarkable that you won't even recognize who you are when it's done. I'm going to make something out of your life. It's like a, a, a potter with the pottery on the, on, the, on the wheel. He's making, he's forming, he's fashioning your life. It's the same Greek word that's used in Ephesians 3.10 when Paul wrote and said that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good, good works. You are God's workmanship. You are his poema. You are his masterpiece. It's the same word Jesus used here in Mark, that you are God's masterpiece. He is making you. He is forming you. He is fashioning you. I want you to think about uh, these disciples. When they, when they were hanging out with Jesus in Jesus' ministry, remember, Jesus made some people really mad. <laughs> so much so, the religious leaders wanted to kill him. They were upset and very, from the very outset of his ministry. You go to Luke chapter 4, we often overlook it, but at the outset of his ministry, when he goes into this temple and he announces, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he preaches, remember that message, Luke chapter 4. The Bible says that they tried to throw him off the cliff. They got so mad at him, from day one, they wanted him dead. And what did it say about those that followed? They wanted Jesus and they wanted his followers. They wanted, to, they wanted to try to arrest his followers, his disciples. And when they referenced his disciples, they didn't say, go arrest those that used to be fishermen out by the Sea of Galilee. They said, go arrest the followers, those people who are hanging out with Jesus. When they recognized the disciples, they recognized them based not on who they were at the Sea of Galilee, but they recognized them on who they were in Christ. They saw that they had been with Jesus. It didn't say these were the fishermen who were out at the Sea of Galilee. It said that these are those who were hanging out with Jesus. Something had changed in their life. Something transformed. They had gone from being fishermen to now being those who hung out with Jesus. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. 
He's making you. He's made you in his image. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he's made you in his image. That word image is his representative. He's made you his representative in this earth. You are created in the image of God, the likeness of God in his image to be his representative. Matthew tells us that we are to go and make disciples. We are his representatives in this earth. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are called Christ ambassadors. Does anybody hear me this morning? My goodness. You are created to be his representative. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says you'll receive power to be my what witnesses. So he's made us in his image. He's made us alive with Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2 it says, But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he what? He made us alive. You are not just checking the box. You're not just going through life unattached. You're not just an unattached spiritual being. You have been made alive. The breath of God is breathed into your lungs. He's made you alive with Christ. You were dead in your sin. You had no awareness, no discernment, no understanding of spiritual things, but you now have been made alive. And it goes on, by grace you have been saved. The grace of God's being poured out on your life. Because you've been made alive, the grace of God is at work in your life. The unmerited, everybody say unmerited, the undeserved favor of God is painting. You are clothed with the favor of God. You are clothed with the grace of God. And he goes on, he says, you've been seated. Not only have I been made alive, I've been clothed with grace, but I've been seated with him in heavenly places. I've been raised up. When you feel like people are against you in this life, that's okay. Who can, who can be? Who that, that can be against me? I'm sorry. Who, the, who is that who can be against me? I've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. <laughs> I've been raised up. I don't, you know, when you're seated, we're, depending on where you sit is the perspective that you have. Let me just pause. The, the disciples were living an ever-increasing life. We're talking about living an ever-increasing life. When you sit with the perspective of the scornful, Psalms chapter 1, when you sit in the seat of the scornful and you sit in the seat of the wicked, that's the level of your perspective. Are you with me? You see what I'm saying? You're sitting, you're sitting down here when God's called you to live a higher life. When, you, when all you do is get stuck on social media and politics and what's happening in the world around us, you're... S- Y'all don't want to hear this. But when you elevate and you say, I'm going to start living a supernatural life, when I'm going to live an ever-increasing life, what is that? I'm going to start sitting in heavenly places. I'm going to sit with Christ in heavenly places. I'm going to see things from a heavenly perspective. Hallelujah. So I've been seated. You know, let me, let, me, let, me, let me just go a little bit longer there. If he sits you with himself, he seats you with himself, you go into a restaurant, and what do they do? They, you have a host or a hostess that comes up, and they, they ask you how many's in your party, 
It used to be years ago, if you wanted smoking or non-smoking, thank, thank the Lord we don't have to deal with that. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I I'm not trying to offend you if you're a smoker. Jesus can deliver you. That's okay. It's just like anything else. Don't get mad at me. I'm trying to help you. Anyway, so they, they ask you where you want to sit, right? And uh, so you tell them, they take you, and, and they, they seat you, and you're, you're part of their restaurant. They're now going to serve you. They're gonna, you're seated, and you have the authority to order. You have the ability. They tell you what's available, what's accessible. You, that's, it's the same thing. You are now seated with Christ. When you sit down with Christ, you, he makes available to you all of heaven's blessings. Every, the Bible tells us every spiritual blessing that we have need of, he supplies. Paul told us that he shall, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you hear me? So this is, the, when you sit with Christ, everything that you have need of, Christ has. And you're, you're seated with him not under an earthly kingdom of manipulation and the law. You're seated with him above the law, above the law of sin. You're still in this life. Don't, don't get me wrong. You're still in this life. But the principles by which we operate are the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That means that every spiritual blessing, freedom in Christ, all that I have, everybody say all. All is handled seated at Christ. I have kinship. I've been adopted. I have access. I'm at the table. Why? Not because I deserved it. Not because I earned it or anything of my own works. The Bible tells us by grace through faith, it's all been made accessible. I'm seated with Christ. I'm seated with Christ. Hallelujah. And if that wasn't good enough... <laughs> If that wasn't good enough, he continues and he says, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. I, 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 <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this. This is so rich. This is juicy. This is, this is one of those juicy verses in the Bible. It's so good. I, not, not only, the Bible tells us in Romans that if God who would... Give us, if he would not withhold his only son, but give us, freely give us his son. How will, with Christ, he not freely give us all things? So in this life, he's going to take care of every detail of my life. In this life, I, what do I have to fear? What do I have to, every promise. Remember, we've been, I keep going back to Psalms 89, 34. It's like I, my mantra this year. My covenant, I will not break. The word that has gone out of my mouth, I will not alter. Everything that we have need of in this life, God has supplied. Ever increasing. Say ever increasing. Doesn't stop. And then he says, so that, not just in this life, but so that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches. You, you think you got it good in this life. You think you're walking in blessing in this. This is just a dress rehearsal. This is just figuring it out. This is just getting used to what's going to come in the next life. There's immeasurable. You think you got a good now. You think having, having a gold watch is good. Wait till you get to heaven and the streets are paved. That's the asphalt in, in heaven. This is just the beginning. You think his presence is so rich and near here. Wait till you get to heaven where there's no filter. There's no veil of the flesh. Immeasurable. 
immeasurable, <laughs> ever-increasing. He's made us alive with Christ. He's made us to drink into one spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, that we drink. <laughs> we sang it about it this morning. There's a river. It's flowing. Yeah, Jesus said in John 7, 38, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink, for out of your belly, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There's a spiritual drink. You don't need to drink another drink of alcohol. You don't need to go shoot up or smoke up or relationship it up or any of the other things. Just have a drink. Just have a drink of the Spirit. Have a drink of His life-giving waters. Jesus said, if you'll drink of this water to the woman at the well who's pulling up water out of the well, if you'll drink of the water that I give out of your belly, out of your innermost being, will spring up wells, wells, fountains of the deep, 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 woo, <laughs> deep, <laughs> woo, deep waters, deep fountains will come springing up out of the inside of you. <laughs> woo. <laughs> Ephesians tells us, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled. <laughs> filled. <laughs> be filled. Be filled. It's time to switch your beverages. <laughs> Stop drinking the pleasures of this life and drink of heavenly delight. <laughs> At his right hand are pleasures evermore. He's made me in the righteousness of God. <laughs> As if it did get better. <laughs> I love it. Second Corinthians says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for me. He made him who knew no sin to be my sin. And made me in that the righteousness of Christ. Ever increasing life is this journey of understanding what it means to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My righteousness is that of filthy rags, but he has imputed to me. He's put upon me his righteousness. He's put garments of righteousness on me. He's taken off my shame and clothed me with rejoicing. <laughs> you know, let me pause here because he's, he's making, he's making you. He's making you right now. He's making you. He's making you into his image. He's making you alive. He's making you righteous. You would have, you know, some of you might look at your life and say, I would have never thought I would have ever been called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know what I've done? Do you know where I've been? How could I, how could I have a holy God call me righteous? Anybody with me? This you see what I'm saying? How how could how could I? I never deserve that. I could never earn that. But now, because He's making you, He's forming you, He's fashioning you, and He's equipping you. It's His power, His work in your life. You know, it comes in a moment. You know, righteousness, the righteousness of God, the grace of God comes in a moment. He gives us this in a moment. But it takes a lifetime of discipleship, a lifetime of committed learning, a lifetime of stewardship to see that increase. The grace of God, you can never earn the grace of God, you can never earn the love of God, but it can increase as you become a steward of it. If I stay 
at the point of my salvation my whole life, and that's the level of the love of God that I know. It, thank God for it. And it's life-changing. But that's not all there is. It's, it, at some point, you stagnate. You say, well, that's good. Thank God for the cross, and that's it. But there's more. To, there's more. Amen. The, the disciples had to get to the day of Pentecost. They had to move on to the start of the New, New Testament church. There was more. There was ever-increasing journey with Christ in their life. And so that comes through maturing. It comes through spiritual growth. It comes by saying, okay, God, you're gonna, I'm going to get on the altar today. I, I, I want to I go do what I want to do. I want to say, I want to tell that person off. I want to give them a piece of my mind. I want to spread that gossip. I want to do my flesh is crying out, but it's saying, no, no, self, get on the altar. I'm, I'm not going to live a life that's decaying and dying. That's, that's the old nature. That's death. That's decaying. That's nasty. I'm going to get on the altar, sacrifice that. I'm choosing to live the ever increasing life with God. I'm not going to allow that, that word of gossip to stop me from encountering God today. And instead of, instead of saying a word of gossip today, God, I think I'm going, to, I'm going to share a blessing over someone's life. Today, instead of being stingy, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to go, I'm going to go speak words of life over people. Instead of being offended, I'm going to go speak words of life. I'm going to, I'm going to sow seeds of joy and peace into people's lives. That's, that's maturing. That's growth. Number three, an ever-increasing life has a divine purpose. Jesus called them and he said, I will make you become fishers of men. He gave them purpose. You thought your life was all about fishing. You thought your life was all about your job. You thought your life was all about your talents, your skills, your abilities. It was all about me. But when Jesus comes in the room, when Jesus walks into your life and you get born again, all of a sudden it changes from about me to him. Your life changes, your desires change, your values change, and he gives you purpose. Matthew 5.16 tells us that we are to let our light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So you have a purpose. You've been created with the identity of Christ. He's changed your values and he's given you a purpose. He's given you a purpose for living. Your purpose for living is anchored in Christ. Isaiah 43, has anybody ever said, why, am I, why do I exist? Why do I live? Isaiah 43 verse 7 has the answer. It says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my well, that was, that was weak. Let's try that again. Is it on the screen? I'm going to make sure it's on the screen in case you don't have your Bible. It says, Isaiah 43. This is why you were born. This is why you were made. This is why you were called. Everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for glory. There it is. That's why you exist. For the glory of God. You exist for his glory. You exist. You are, you are the greatest display in all of creation of the glory of God. That he has come, the creator of the world, has come and rescued you out of your pit of sin and despair. The creator of the world has come and stepped in and stopped the judgment that was against you. Has redeemed you, declared you justified, has reconciled you to God. Does anybody see what I'm saying this morning? God has redeemed your life. 
and your purpose is anchored in him. You have a light to shine. You have a light to shine. The light of God is on the inside. If you're born again this morning, you have the light of the gospel. You have the light of the gospel on the inside of you. Let it shine. Let it shine. When you, when you go to work or school or to the restaurant or to the Starbucks or wherever it is that you go, whatever you do, let your light shine. When you wake up in the morning, think about ways you can be a blessing. God wants to bring about supernatural works through your life. See lives change through your life. You know, when we, when we started the grocery distribution, when everything changed, I can go back to March 18th, 2020. <laughs> the date is indelibly, worship team, you can come back. The date is marked on me. When we started that, I, I knew what we had been doing with groceries prior to that, monthly distributions, 100 families, you know. Yeah, not even. And, and we didn't know what we were going to be encountering when we stepped out and said, Lord, we're going to trust you and do this. I'll never forget the day, and it was one of the first couple of weeks into doing this. I don't, I don't remember what, it, what week it was. It was soon at the beginning where they told me the food was, that had arrived and I needed to come see it. It was like 30,000 pounds of groceries. It was lining the Fellowship Hall wing, kids' wing, and, um, and in, in the prep room and all that, and that we didn't have space for all of our refrigerated food, that we had, we had, you know, we didn't have space. And I was like, okay, well, um, okay, well, I'll come back and see, you know, what's going on. So I you know, walked out and I look down the hall, and the hall is lined with boxes that need to be frozen or refrigerated. Not, and that doesn't include all of the produce and all of the non-perishable and everything else. And I see this line of boxes stacked probably six feet high. And I, I have to say my first thought is, and, and I ask, what are we going to do with it all? Well, we don't have space for it all. What, what's out is what's left. We've got everything already in the refrigerators and freezers that we have space for. But this is what we don't have space for. And so I remember in that moment, faith, again, rise up. The Lord's got this. We got, we got it. And inside I'm thinking, who am I going to call who has a refrigerator or a freezer that can fit. Like, I don't even know that I don't know. Like, I'm clueless. I'm like, all I know is the Lord said, do this. All I know is the Lord said, serve the community. I had no idea 17,000 people later, 300,000 pounds of food plus later, I had no idea no idea. I have pastors still ask me, how did you do this? Like, I'll let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> you know, and the, the funny thing is, well, I won't say that. I'll just keep going. But, but anyway, I'm standing at the hall and I'm looking. And I thought, Lord, how are we going to do this? So the first thing is our freezers and refrigerators, there's no way our freezers and refrigerators could even handle this on a regular basis. So just bring it down, guys, just a minute. 
there's, there's no way that our fridge, they're going to be able to handle this. So we get on Facebook. We need, what, $3,000, whatever it was. We need $3,000 today to get a refrigerator. Somebody's going to supply it today. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. We got it. We're going to do this. Literally, by the end of the day, within a couple of hours, we had the $3,000 to purchase. We, by the end of the day, we had a, free, a new commercial freezer here, refrigerator, whatever it is. We got it. It was here within, within hours, actually, within a couple of hours of that. But it still wasn't enough. <laughs> it still wasn't enough. Didn't they donate one, too? Oh, we already had one already donated. So then we bought one, a bigger one than what they donated. Okay, we got that, but we still don't have space. I felt like the disciples with the loaves and the fishes. Like, Lord, we started out with just saying a yes. Here's what we have. What am I going to do with all these leftovers? You know, what are we going to do? Oh, we have 12 basketfuls left over. What are we going to do? And I, that's how I felt. And so I called the company that we bought the freezer from, and I said, hey, here's where we're at. I don't know what we need. But you saw what, when, you, when y'all dropped off the fruit, you saw what we had. We've, we're, we're, out of, we're still out of space. What do we do? What do we need to buy and how much is it? That was, that's what I asked. What do we need to buy and how much is it to fix all this? And he said, you know what? We, we have a freezer truck that we're not using. We don't plan to use it for a little while, so... If you have a space for it, if you have a 220 amp, you know, if you got everything. Funny story, I had just, we had just probably two weeks prior to that installed and done some work in the garage as a part of Jericho to accommodate 220 and all that we needed out there for potential things like this. Had no idea. We just, we heard the voice of the Lord say we needed to do that and we did it. It was something we paid for, did installed a couple outlets, had no idea why we were doing it. So when we called him and said, you have 220, I said, yep, we sure do. We just, you can come take a look at whatever you need to take a look at, but we're good, we're ready to roll. So they came out, brought the freezer truck. We had it for what, a month or two? Three or four months, yeah, there we go. So, and filled it up every week. Every week, filled it up, emptied it out every week. It sat in the garage and took up all the, got supernatural life. That's, you say, well, that's scary. <laughs> you say, that's scary, Pastor, to live that kind of life. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. You, gotta, you don't have a plan. I mean, here's, here's my plan. You want to know what my plan is? My plan is to pray a lot. My, my plan is to know what the Word of God says a lot. So when he says do it, and now listen, there's, he aligned every, like we had to, we had to make preparation. There are things in the natural you've got to do to, to make room. If God says, I'm going to do, if I'm going to save you and your household, if you're, if that's the promise of God, a salvation for your household, then you need to start making space for that. Get their name on the altar, pray over their names, start inviting them to church. Right? Simple things. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. 
So make room. Make room for a miracle. Make room for the supernatural. Watch God, watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. Is this helping this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Life of faith, kingdom living. Kingdom living. Kingdom living. It's time for some of you, I, I, I believe. I believe so strongly. Some of you over the course of this past year, hear me. Hear me. Just bring it down some. I want you to hear me. I want to make sure they hear this. Some of you over the course of this past year, because of life and what has happened, you've allowed your perspective to change. And instead of living an ever-increasing life, the life called to be a fisherman, the life where you've called not a fisherman, but a fisher of men. The life of the unexpected, unpredictable, supernatural. The God kind of life. Prior to this year, I would, I would say if we were to rewind the clock to the beginning of 2020, some of you here were embracing, I'm ready for it. I'm believing God for my family. I'm believing God for this. I'm believing God for that. Let me ask you two questions real quick. What are you believing God for? And what are you trusting him with? What are you believing God for? And what are you trusting him with? And I believe there's some here this morning, prior to COVID, prior to everything that was happening, the start of 2020, you were, yeah, I'm believing. And then life happened, right? you're seated with Christ. Come up higher. Get your perspective back through the eyes of faith. That promise has not changed. That promise for your home, that promise for your family, that promise for your job, the word of the Lord for you is just as alive today as it was in, at the start of 2020. That promise is still the same. Are you willing to leave your net? Are you willing to to immediately follow after Christ, to drop your nets there with your whoever it is and say, that's what I used to be. But I'm now a fisher of man. I'm following after Christ. I don't know what it means. Some of you this morning, you're looking at me and saying, I don't know what it means. You are just as, as clueless. I don't know. But I, I know I want to be a, I want to be one of them. I want to be one of the fisher of men. I know I want to I know I want to leave my nets and follow Christ. That's a great place to start. That's a great place to start to say I I don't have it all figured out, and I don't even know what it's going to look like. I don't know what the journey's going to look like. Hey, guess what? Neither do I. I don't have it all figured out either, but I know who does. The Bible tells me that he declares the end from the beginning. So he's got it all figured out. I just have to follow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word, Jesus. Make it alive in our hearts, Lord, today. Lord, we respond to your word. Come on, right where you're at. Just, Lord, I respond to your word. Just make it personal right now between you and Jesus. 
between you and the Lord. Lord, I, I just want to make it personal. I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to live a, a kingdom life, a life of faith, a life of the supernatural. I'm going to get my first my front row seat, my first-hand view of a supernatural God. I don't want to just leave it to the pastor or to someone else. I want my seat right up front. Lord Jesus, I'm running after you. I'm running after you. I'm pursuing you, Lord. I'm pursuing you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Grace, let's worship. I invite you to worship with us. There is a God. Just a moment before you. I want to know how is it with your soul today? You know, the, I started to move on, but the, the Holy Spirit stopped me. How is it between you and the Lord today? How is it with you and Jesus today? How is it with your soul? Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you have peace with God? You can. If you're watching online or you're here in the building, you can know him. The Bible says that he's making you a new creation. When you come to Christ, he makes all things new. He obliterates your past. The Bible says that he cleanses your conscience clean. All of the shadows, all the guilt, all the shame, all of yesterday is washed, washed away. He makes all things new. He gives you a new name, a new identity, a new purpose, new values. It's real simple, right where you're at. Even in the building, right where you're at. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. If you're online and just pray this, Lord, I need you. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make all things new in my life. I am born again.